This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpolopin Faith, Stairwell, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpolopin. We hope to see you soon. is from Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 through 30. For the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several abilities, and straightway looked took its journey. <clears throat> then he took and received the five talents, went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one, went and digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh, and reckoned them with them. Excuse me. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, those good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter though into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of my Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathered where thou hast not sewed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thus has that in thine. <clears throat> His Lord answered and said unto him, Thus wicked and soulful servant, you knewest of what I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not sowed. Thou oughtst therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then it may be coming. I should have received mine own with unsurry. Take therefore the talent from him, and gave it unto him which has ten talents. <clears throat> For unto every one that has hath shall be given and he shall have abundance. But if men has not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into other outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to
Martha Berry grew up in the hills of North Georgia and realized that she had been among the fortunate few in the hollows of a poverty-stricken country. She had gone to college, yet the mountain children living around her, she knew, would never have that chance. So she decided to give them one. She started Berry College near her home in Rome, but her heart was bigger than her bank account. How many of us can say that? Tuition was free, it might as well be. The students had no money, but they brought what they could. A jar of jam, a quilt, a, a spare chicken or two, and even the family milk cow. For tuition, they chopped wood, cleaned the classrooms, gathered eggs, cooked the meals, and scrubbed the wooden floors. They grew what they had to eat, or there would be an empty table awaiting them at supper time. Martha Berry, Berry faced crisis after crisis, and the culprit was always the same, money. Money was tight, money was running out, and she feared she'd have to close the doors to Berry College. Hope became as scarce as a wrinkled dollar bill. A student one day ran into her office holding a newspaper he had found in the library. You need to talk to Henry Ford, he said. She said, why on the earth would I want to do that? It says right here in the newspaper that he's got a lot of money and giving it away to people who need it, the boy said. His hands were shaking. I think we need it, Miss Barry. That afternoon, she sat down and wrote Henry Ford, telling him about the dreams and hopes she had for educating the children of North Georgia. Maybe just baby, Henry Ford could, bribe, could provide some financial assistance. By now, though, Henry Ford had become bitter and cynical and quite skeptical. It seemed that to him that every person and organization in the country was knocking on his door and begged for free money. He had grown tired of it, and he'd grown very jaded. Ford did, however, send Martha Berry some money. He sent her a single dime. Thin, worn, worth 10 cents and nothing more. Barry could have been disappointed. She could have simply said to herself, well, I tried, it just didn't work out. But instead, she tried something else. She took the dime down to a feed store and bought 10 cents worth of peanuts. Then she and her students diligently planted the peanuts and at season's end, harvested the peanuts and sold them for $1,500. Not bad, she'd taken a dime and turned it into a lot of money. She wasn't done yet. She had one more move to make. She took the money, deposited it in the bank, wrote out a check and sent it to Henry Ford and said, sir, here's your $1,500 dividend for your dime investment in Barry College. Henry Ford took the next train to Rome, Georgia. He met Martha Barry, he watched the children work, he watched them steady, and when he left, he left behind $3 million. In our scripture today, we meet four men, and this story reminds me of the men that we meet. One man was the master, and he was going on a trip, and the other three were his servants, the men that worked for him. And so the man, before he left, entrusted them each with bags of gold. And remember, what we're reading today is a parable. So he entrusted them with bags of gold, as, as some of the versions share. Um, other translations use the word talent rather than a bag of gold. And a talent was worth about 3,000 shekels. But since this is a parable, we know that the talent or the gold doesn't really represent a talent or gold as the story goes. There's the obvious comparison that it's money or finances. It's, it's doing with, with the, the financial resources we have. But talents could also represent our physical resources, our possessions, all of the, the stuff we have. 
And lastly, it could represent one more thing. It could represent our talents, literally. It could be the, the, the things that we're good at, our gifts, our abilities, even our knowledge or our expertise, if you've ever thought about it that way. So when we look at today's parable, we're looking at what the persons from our story did with everything they'd been given, not just this bag of money. The first man who was given the most must have had the greatest ability. It must, he must have been somebody that maybe he was in charge of other servants. It was somebody that the master entrusted with this larger amount of money. And so he goes out, takes what he was given, and puts it to work. Now, we don't know how. We don't know if he went and gambled it. We just know that he took his money, and when he came back, he doubled what he had. And then there's the second man who was given half as much, over half as much. He, too, takes his out, invests it, comes back, and doubles his money as well. And then there's that other guy. <laughs> This one that was given the least, he was given a fifth of what the first man was given. And what does he do with it? He hides what he was given. He buries it in the ground where it's unsafe and isn't useful for anything. It reminds you of the stories of mason jars. People used to bury mason jars in their backyards and all of that. I guess that's where cold cash comes from. I'm just kidding. Um, but he buries it in the backyard. Hopefully you don't need it in the winter when the ground's frozen. But the master then returns, and he's pleased with the two the first two servants and he tells them both the same thing he tells them well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful with a few things i will put you in charge of many things come and share your master's happiness both of these men were rewarded it didn't matter that one was given more than the other they were both recognized for their use of what they had been given and rewarded by being trusted with even more so it goes to reckon that probably the third man had done the same, even with his one, he still would have been rewarded, even though he had a fifth less than the first person. But that's not what he did. First, what happens is he insults the master. Never a good idea to insult your boss. He calls him a hard man, and then basically says he's a thief because he says he harvests where he hasn't sown. You know, I know you're a crook, boss, so I... Not really a good way to begin a conversation. So what happens, he gives him back exactly what he was given. Now, some would say, well, he kept it safe. He, he did just give him back. You know, he didn't lose the money. I mean, at least he didn't do that. But the master was not happy. The master calls him wicked. He calls him, he calls him lazy. Though he'd not trusted him with as much... He still entrusted him with something. I mean, he could have just said, I'm not going to give you anything because I know how you are. But no, he at least entrusted him with something that may not have been as much as the other two men, but he was still given something. And he tells him at the very least, he should have put money in the money in the bank where it would at least draw a little bit of interest. I mean, it would have been safer than in the ground and it still would have gained a little bit more value than it had. See, the third, third man took what he was given, and he was careless with it. He put it in the ground, not really a good idea, and then he didn't use it for anything. He just stowed it away, and it really was of no good to anybody. So the master's response, when he took the talent away from the man, he gave it, gave it to the man who had the five that now had ten, that now has eleven, because he gave it to him. And then it says that the man is thrown out into the darkness. We see the weeping and gnashing of teeth warning that we see a lot in Matthew. Um, the man was just sort of dismissed from his master's presence. 
Uh, I guess he was unemployed from then on. I'm not sure. <laughs> now, the point of this parable is obvious. I mean, it really is. I can, I can sit here and say, so what's the point of this parable? But you know what the point of the parable is. But I'm going to remind you that we are called to use what we've been given. We've been called to use what God has trusted us with for growing the kingdom of God. That's what the two men who invested their talents did. They used what they've been given to gain more. In the parable, it's wealth, but for us, it's people. We, as, as Christians and even as churches, the resources we've been given, we're not supposed to stow it away. We're supposed to use it to grow the kingdom of God. Each and every one of us is called to bring others to Christ with our, our talents, our finances, our resources, our abilities, the things that we can do. So how are we using our talents to grow the kingdom of God and bringing others to Jesus? How are we telling others about the good news of his forgiveness and love? It's, it could be finances, possessions, or abilities. As I said earlier, it could also be our knowledge or our expertise. Which of the men from the parable are you this morning? Are you one of the ones who are investing what you've been given in others? Are you the one that's hiding them away, hoping that nobody finds out that you can do it? So this morning, I want you to think about something that you're good at or something that you enjoy. By the way, those can be two different things. You can enjoy something and not be good at it. But it could still be something that you enjoy that could still bless another person. And it could really be almost anything. Because you'd be surprised with the right focus, what can be used to glorify God. How many of us before Mary came to us thought about spiritual yoga? I knew there was yoga. I guess I'd never really considered spiritual yoga. Anything with the right focus can be used to glorify God. So what is something that you're good at? Something you enjoy? Something that you can use to grow God's kingdom and tell others about Jesus? It could be praying for somebody. It could be writing cards to people that are shut in. It could be any number of things. This Wednesday, as I mentioned, we're going to have uh, a meeting of what I hope is going to become a joint mission and outreach team for our three churches. The purpose of this, it's not, a, it's not a leadership committee or anything like that. It's just a group of people getting together to talk about the needs of our community and how we as churches can do outreach and mission to reach out to others. And I want to share this morning something I found out yesterday when I was over at Faith Church's um, chicken and waffle dinner. The second car that came through their drive-thru was a man that wasn't sure what was going on, and he thought maybe it was a food handout. Mm. That he had the courage to walk, drive up and just ask if they're handing out food. An article I read said that one in five people in our country struggles to put food on the table because of the pandemic. So that's a question we have to ask, is what can we do to reach the needs of our community? We see children being homeschooled, parents at their wits' end as they're trying to work and balance this and life, and just so many other things going on. We see seniors stuck at home, scared to death that they're going to catch this virus, so they're afraid to leave their houses. What needs do they have? Do they need help getting groceries? Do they just need somebody to talk to on the phone? That's the thing that we need to be doing, is what can we do? We're little churches. There's, there's three of us, and we're small. 
but we're not powerless. Maybe we've not been given as much as some of the bigger churches in our area or the biggest churches in our conference. But that man was given one shekel. He was still given something, and we have still been given something too. What are we doing with what we've been given? So as we have this meeting this week, I invite anybody who's interested in joining, and I'm not. this is not to guilt you into coming to the meeting. It's just to make you aware that we're going to be having this meeting this week at 6. But I want us to be thinking about what can we do as churches to reach out to our community as Christmas approaches, because even, even one thing that we can do can make a difference. Think back to what we have done as churches this year. We have given money to the gentleman who lost his home in a fire. Our little church gave, gave money to make a difference. Slocum made hoagies and raised $1,776 to give to a family that's hurting and in need. We have been given a great deal by God. We just have to figure out how to use it to change our community. Leo Vescuglia writes this, Our talents are the gift that God gives to us. What we make of our talents is our gift back to God. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you for the, the gifts that you've given to us, the things that we, we may not even think about, whether it's a, a skill or a hobby or a craft or even the knowledge that we have and expertise. We ask that you would help us as a church and as churches and as individuals that we can find ways to reach out to the world around us, to make a difference in our community, to, to help those who are hurting and in need and those that are at the end of their rope. Help us to use what we've been given to connect that rope to the hem of your robe and show them that there is hope and there are people that care about them in this community and that they are not alone in this life. We ask this in Jesus' name.